من تیانم بلدشت و فسیکای را باش بفرنم تینکیو میکنم فقط رو تینکیو بگذیر میکنم بسید بلسته بیولی میکنم بسید تینکیو لورد جیزوس فور یو پورچینیتی یا بسید میگیم تو کم ات یو فیت تو لرن فقط لورد ایز لخص لفا بیس کلاس فقط بیس سوسی جیزوس میگیم Let your name be glorified, Lord Jesus. Let your power reign in the name of Jesus. Let your grace reign in the name of Jesus. Let your power reign in the name of Jesus. Father, in our meeting today, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us, Jesus. I present myself as a vessel before you, Lord. Father, Lord, help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ah, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, yeah. Thank you all for coming again. Um, I believe today will be the last lap of this teaching. Um, I don't know if we can do another summary today again. I'm doing that song today. Okay. Yeah. Does anybody want to help us with summary? Like what you learned last week, just quickly before I move on. Anybody, 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 anybody? Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll call him to. Mm-hmm. Is that Dami or Dani? Which one is that? So I can call anyone, sir. Okay. Ah, Dami I want. <laughs> <laughs> ah, gotcha. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, How are you? Bye, sir. How are you? Bye. Uh, yes, sir. I'll just, um, I guess, I'll just speak on the little I can remember from last week. Um, I think we're looking at, there was a, an emphasis on condemnation. I will stay, I'll start from there. I think that was in the middle of the message, but I will go from there. Um, we're seeing that condemnation is, um, is like a place where we should not stay. Um, it is an attitude of unbelief. It's an attitude that is against faith. Um, so we should repent. Uh, we should feel bad when we do some things, but we should not enter into condemnation because if not, we will not learn how to come to God in that sense. So I was just saying that um, in a sense also, you know, even when we... Uh, when we feel bad and when we want to repent or when there's that walk of repentance also, there's that sense that we shouldn't work things out by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be, it's a spiritual process. Yes, so we do, we should not, um, even though there has to be some form of, sometimes some kind of act or some kind of um, work done in a sense, but it should not be conjured by the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be instruction from the spirit. So I was also saying that uh, it's um it's necessary to learn to stay in that place where 
you can wait for the Holy Spirit praying, help me, you know, show me how to go about this. Because the, the process of repentance, like you said, um, even when we repent, there is the sense of you must see something better to do. You must see a reason why you shouldn't go back because if not, you will fall back into it. Yeah. So there has to be that sense of waiting for, I guess, some measure of grace to come because at the end of the day, repentance should end in salvation. I think yeah. that that scripture that says that um, godly sorrow work it, I, I don't know if well, it's, and it ends in salvation pretty much. So that's just a little I remember from last week. Thank you very much. Really, really said the Lord. Yeah, it ends in salvation. That's true. Condemnation is the act of unbelief. It's true. It's true. Uh, I don't know if Tony, if Tony has the chance to talk, if he's not busy. Maybe you can quickly give us a quick summary too. That's if you have a chance there. Tony. Good evening, yeah. sir. Good evening, ma'am. Um, yeah, I feel like the part I got from last week, that maybe we covered um, a whole bunch of it. Um, I think what stood out to me from last time was um, um, also on that piece of condemnation and how the enemy will want us to stay there. Um, but, you know, with, with realizing that we've walked in sin is to know that how can the how does the Holy Spirit want us to come out of it like Dami said really and um and letting the Holy Spirit lead us out of it. So it's not two extremes of I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to get myself out of sin. Um or the other extreme of oh yeah I'm saved. Um I'm forever saved that kind of idea. Um but there's a place where the Holy Spirit actually does that work of salvation like continuous salvation to redeem us to redeem us to redeem us from the sin from iniquity um yeah i feel like that was that was kind of thing that said to me it's not either extreme it's actually the work of god within ourselves so we cannot rely on ourselves to save ourselves and we cannot stay condemnation yes thank you very much i'm looking at uh, betty and i'm just just i'm just excited to hear her voice betty betty Betty. Good evening, sir. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, sir. How are you, sir? Yeah, it's good to hear your voice today. Same here, sir. <laughs> so, um, do you want to help us quickly before we go into the teaching? Um, yes. Okay, sir. Um, I think Tony and Dami has pretty much covered a chunk of the things I remember. Um, but I guess maybe one thing um, that also stood out to me was um, in line with condemnation when, um, so the enemy, because obviously we're not perfect, right? And um, we are still going through the salvation journey. So there are things that we would, I guess the Lord would, you know, we would get reproached for. And um, when that happens, I remember you said that that's what should actually push you further to the Lord, right? But the enemy, what he does is that he makes you feel so condemned. So it's it's almost like, and, and for some people without much light 
or much understanding. There's how you can stay there. And it's, it kind of feels a little bit righteous because you're like, ah, I did this thing, right? And you, you feel um, a little bit solemn, but um, there should be a point where you don't fall into that place of condemnation, but rather you just go back. I think how you put it was you go back and sit at the Lord's feet and just, um, just tarry with the Lord that he helps you through, you know, that process. So there's that aspect of like um, finding yourself doing something wrong and then you stay in condemnation rather than, you know, um, just sitting at the Lord's feet. And then you also mentioned that there's also the category of people that believe that there's a doctrine out there that when I'm sinning, it's my body that is, you know, committing the sin. And, and, and you had said that we can't, you know, frustrate the grace of God because um, the Lord is forgiving and he's merciful, right? But um, I think he had said, was it during your like, university days? I'm not sure. I can't really remember, but he had mentioned how, yeah, that, you know, some people will say, or oh, oh, I don't know if you're part of the people, I can't remember, but um, you'd say, oh, it's my body that sins. So, like, you know, you're good that one I'm for, once saved, forever saved, but um, it's a it's a, a continual process because they are saving not just our bodies but our bodies are spiritual souls, like everything, right? So, so yeah, those are like some of the things I remember. So when you're sinning, it's not your body; you're part of it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very, they're very involved. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very, very involved in it. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Thank you very much, everybody. I don't know if any other person because if any other person, Hi, sir. Uh, okay. Thank you. I'll add something that really blessed me. I think you spoke on revelation and how when you when you get a revelation is the is revealing of Christ. Yes. Revelation is not to pump you up with knowledge, it's for you to see Christ. That when you sin, it's not only your body sinning, but your whole entire embodiment is sinning. is sinning. Your spirit is a new man, but your soul needs to come into salvation. Yes. So every time you will be continuously repenting, yes. that the work of Christianity is a continuous repentance. Yes. I believe. Yes, sir. And uh, you spoke on condemnation. You also spoke on thoughts, yes. that how the enemy attacks you is true thoughts, yes. but how the Bible comes to you, the word, is through your hearts. Yes, yes. So it will first hit your heart. Then from your heart, you start doing works in you and start knocking the thoughts and changing your, the way you think. Yes. But the enemy will attack you through thoughts. When you feast on those thoughts, it sits and resides in your heart. Yes, yes. So, yes, sir. Yes, thank you very much. Thank no you. problem, sir. Yeah, praise God. Wow, Father, love you. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let me continue from here now. Um, so, like we said last week, I'll just continue from um, regret is not repentance. Last week, we were very, um, I was very emphatic on, on this issue of regret because I noticed that some people can cry after sin, but it doesn't mean repentance has happened. 
um, crying at the feet of Jesus or just, just crying, just crying alone. You just cry, 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 cry without a, a heart of a heart towards finding the, the heart of God concerning that thing is not totally an attitude of repentance because the problem is that you will cry, but really there's no there's nothing you are turning away from. So regrets does not mean that repentance has happened. Sometimes our regret is based on the consequence, not really because uh, we love God like that. It's because we see the consequence of what we have done and we start regretting it. So if we are seeing, if our base of feeling bad is because of the consequence, because that means that if there was no consequence, there's possibility that that thing will continue and will not stop. So that's why we need to be very, very careful. Like it's not, it's not my cry that will change God. What really changes, what is not, uh, it's not my cry that will change me. Is my obedience that will actually change me. And we need to understand that, that not cry does not change anybody. It's obedience that changes us. So if, uh, no, and I'm not saying you should not cry, you can cry, but that cry is not really, really the attitude of repentance in itself. The attitude of repentance is that we are ready to actually turn away from what the what the Lord has been convicting us of. Praise God. And you know, the the more the more the revelation of God's word come, the more we repent. As we grow in God's word, the more repentance happens. There are some things that we don't see as sin right now. But as we grow in the spirit, one thing that happens to us is that we increase in judgment. We increase in judgment. And the way we, we judge or the way we our decision, our, our, our perspective to sin change. So there are some things we don't see bad right now. And Holy Ghost is not telling us it's bad. But we can just grow. Just in a few weeks, we can grow to a point. Holy Ghost can come and start telling us, ah, do you know this thing is bad? But this thing was not bad to us like three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, it was not bad. But because eyes has been opened now, it now becomes bad. It is okay to also repent of it. To repent of it means that, okay, you've, you've turned it down and you will not, we will not live by that perspective of that, that um, we will not, we will stop seeing life from that perspective and refuse that perspective now. So we should always understand the fact that as we grow, our perspective change. Let's quickly open to Isaiah chapter one. Let's quickly look at this scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter 1. Let's quickly look at this scripture. I'll read from verse 18. Ah, Pastor Daniel. Man of God. Hello, sir. Uh-huh. Daniel. My co-preacher. Uh, sir. Let's, let's do it again. Okay, sir. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Okay. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Praise uh, God. Come now. And let us reason together, said Jesus. Oh, let us reason together, said the Lord, right? Yes, sir. Do so your story. The Lord wants to come to us and say, let us reason together. Now, let's look at it from this perspective. That when we are reasoning with God, obviously, there will be an exchange of perspective. Mm. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, there will be a change of perspective. So, and the next, what did you now say after that? Do your sins. Be as scarlet. And then now look at it. You see, 
said the Lord as a column. Mm-hmm. In other words, that column means that what does column mean in English? It means that they want to explain yes. the what they mean by what they just said. Yes, sir. You can right? They want to explain it. Yes, sir. Aha. So you now say, though your sins be as scarlet. Yes, sir. So in other words, the essence of uh, reasoning together is to for is for sanctification. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. The essence of reasoning together is for sanctification. Anytime there's a change in perspective, sanctification happens. In other words, anytime there's a change in um, perspective, we have to let go of our own perspective to take God's perspective. That is actually repentance. We are turning down our former because we are we are removing our the anytime a perspective change. Because our perspective is our old man, and God's perspective is the new man. So you will now see Colossians saying that Ephesians saying that take off your the old man according to the former conversation. Yes, sir. Take the act of taking off is the act of repentance. Because the act of taking off is the act of turning. So there's no way repentance can happen <clears throat> without turning away. So that act of turning away and divorcing the former conversation is the act of repentance. Hmm. So we must be divorcing something to marry another. Because one thing we should understand is that sins are covenants. What do I mean by covenants? Covenants are things we give allegiance to over time by consistent doing. Covenants are ingrained in us by giving ourselves to that. When we give ourselves to something over time, the thing registers in the soul like a covenant. Covenant means that an engravement. Because when we are saying covenant, covenants are always written. Praise God. So any, any sin that has been engraved in the soul has become a covenant. So we must be divorcing the covenant to actually marry another covenant. In other words, for us to divorce it, we must unyield ourselves from the former covenant and these things are the work of grace and mercy. Because it takes mercy to see it. And it takes grace to undo it. Praise God. Grace is the strength of God. That capacity to refuse it is called grace. That's why the Bible says, the grace that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching. The next thing is teaching. So what grace does is that grace is a wisdom that enlightens us and strengthens us to see a wrong perspective and begin to divorce it. If there's not divorcing, grace is not at work yet. That's what grace does. Grace is an eye-opener and also a strength giver. Actually, it's not just a giver of strength. The strength of God is grace. Praise Jesus. So we should now understand the fact that anytime grace comes, capacity to undo has come. And grace comes from the word of God. Let's quickly open this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1. Then we'll come back to Isaiah chapter 1. Please hold on to that Isaiah chapter 1. Then we'll go to 1 Peter. Let us just see something. Because I, I, I want us to see something. Uh, Jesus. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. My brother, can you read this quickly? First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Oh, second Peter, sorry, sorry. Second Peter, okay. sorry. Okay. Sorry. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Yeah. God. Um, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through yeah. the knowledge of God. Through what? The knowledge of God. So how do they multiply grace and peace? Through the knowledge of God. Through knowledge. So there's no way grace can come without the activity of knowledge. Now, knowledge there is not just because you read your Bible. Knowledge is a light, a light that breaks into the heart by the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's revelation of his word. The revelation of his word is what multiplies grace. It, it makes it as the revelation of the world comes, grace is coming. Because inside the word is, hmm. is, a, is a tool called grace. Inside the word is a is a, is a is a is a capacity called grace. When light comes, grace has come. Yeah. When light comes. So grace has come. When a man engages in that grace, the grace settles in the heart. When that grace settles, it means that that person has fully turned away. Mm -hmm. If that grace has not settled, uh, it, turning has not finished. So that man has to engage grace continuously. So grace must be engaged till it settles. Grace is like a building in the soul. Anytime a building has been established in the soul, grace has been established. That's why I said men should not eat with um should, should not just be eating with grace yeah, with meat, but let the heart be established in grace. I think it's Romans. Praise God, that the heart should be established in grace. Why does the heart need to be established in grace? Grace is like the when the is like when you are building a house. Every single block you add to that house increases the um the what's it called? The the, the you are getting from closer to finishing the building. Every single block you add is a step closer to finishing the building. That's what grace is. Anytime grace is established, it's a step closer to the building being finished. Now, the thing about us is that, the thing about us is that is because we fell, another building has been done. So the way our own building is done is that they must take away one building to put another building. Hmm. Yeah, it's like they're taking away one block to put another block. Taking away one block to put another block. It's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yes. So one part is taking one thing away, another one is adding. Praise God. So you will see that um, grace, sin is a building in the soul. And grace is a building too. That's so when the Lord wants to establish us in grace, it brings knowledge. When knowledge is engaged, grace is being exercised. And anytime grace is exercised, grace is established in the soul. Once grace is able to be established and put its foot two foot down, 
and sunk into the soul. Um, a, capacity, a, you, a, a building has been built against, against that sin. That's why for, for us to fully repent, we cannot say we'll fully repent by just um, taking action once and leaving it that way. Anytime mm-hmm. revelation of God's word comes to us and we are using to it, that thing is not just something to be done once. It's something you, is a perspective you keep. Anytime knowledge of God comes, a perspective you keep until God takes you further. It's not that you take it once and you throw it in. It's something you actually engage yourself in continuously until the Lord is ready to take us further than that. So any revelation becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Every single revelation should end up becoming like a lifestyle. And that's why every revelation projects Christ, because Christ is our lifestyle. Bible calls a uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he said, He has become our wisdom, he has become our righteousness, our sanctification. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So uh, the knowledge should end up in projecting a lifestyle before us. Any knowledge that is not projecting a lifestyle is not knowledge in itself. Knowledge, we should project a pattern of life. And grace, which knowledge comes, that's light of the world, not just any knowledge. I'm talking about the light of God's word by the Holy Ghost into our hearts comes with grace. And anytime, and one thing about engaging grace is that sometimes Revelation can come. It's not that you can easily do it immediately. Sometimes we have to actually meditate on it continuously. And God will start opening up the perspective, expanding it in our hearts. You see, that, that, that process of expanding that word in our hearts is actually grace being multiplied too. Grace is increasing. Anytime light is being expanded. So you notice that sometimes there's a time that there are, there are some seasons in our life that God wants to deal with an issue. If you look as if every single scripture you are reading is pointing to that thing. There's always a season like that in our life. Just look as if everything God is saying is just everything. Anytime you read your Bible like this, it's like that's where you are. That's that's what God is pointing to. It's because God wants to expand that light inside our hearts. He wants to expand it and expand it and expand it till you begin to see proper perspective. Till that light becomes a full light in our heart. That moment that thing becomes a full light inside us, and we begin. They will begin to engage it and engage it and carry it out, we notice that grace is being established. Grace is a building inside. The end of carrying out revelation is grace. Is grace being established. Praise God. Now let's go back to that Isaiah chapter 1 again, please, my brother. Thank you very much. Isaiah chapter 1. Let's read from verse 18 from the beginning again. Okay. Come now and let us reason together. Set the Lord. The Lord, yes. Though your sins be as scarlet, yes, they shall be as white as snow. Praise God. So, in other words, anytime you reason with God, hmm. something is happening. Sin is being taken away. A perspective of sin. Because reasoning together, when I'm reasoning with somebody, I'm trying to I'm trying to see let the person see my perspective, right? Yes, sir. Bro, Daniel, me and you we are sitting together and we are reasoning together. I want to see your perspective and mm-hmm. you are willing to see my own perspective. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. But obviously, God's perspective is way better. We should yeah. first agree on that first. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. In other words, I must be dropping my perspective. Mm-hmm. So the idea of reasoning with God is not that 
you won't go to see your own uncle too. <laughs> no, no. You don't have, we don't have any angle to show God. So when the Bible is saying reasoning together, it's not uh, it's not that you want to present your angle to God. God knows your angle, and He knows that our angle is evil. <laughs> our angle is sinful. We need to agree. You know, we need to be sometimes we need to be to be um to be um to be mean to sin. Yeah. We, have to, we have to be mean to sin. Like I, I tell myself, sometimes there was a time I was I was I did something wrong one time, and the Lord reminded me while I was brushing my teeth. As I was brushing my teeth, I looked at the mirror. I said, "Ah, ah tell me you are wicked." That's what I told myself. I said, "Ah, ah, you did this. This is wickedness." What I was telling myself is that this I, I'm I'm agree with myself that there's evil in inside me, and I want to. It needs to be dealt with. <laughs> so we, I can't be excusing my sin and think that I'll be able to agree with God's perspective. Uh-huh. And some of us, we feel like it is a, it is a, you know, fatherly relationship. <laughs> fatherly relationship, God, you, you see from my angle, you, you see what, you see how this person spoke to me. It's good to have those kind of conversations with God. But if we are not doing that just to make God see our perspective, maybe, okay, he can reason with us. Ah, wow, it's true. It's true. If not because of this, don't have done it right. Eh, sorry, no, God, is, that's not it. No, is that even in that conversation, we are ready to drop our perspective. So God is not God is not trying to God is God when God is reasoning with us, He's not trying to see our perspective. Our perspective, our perspective is ungodly. Our perspective does not love God. Our perspective does not have the agenda of God in mind. Our perspective is against God. Our perspective is not at peace with God. We need to agree with ourselves. Uh, seeing the, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says. Our perspective is wickedness. So when God is reasoning with us, that reasoning should begin to shine light into the soul and let wickedness disappear. That's actually the way reasoning with God should go. Any in our conversation with God, God should be the one. God should be the one winning. Yes, Sometimes we argue with God and we win God. It means that we have agreed with Him. Uh, Anytime we we reason with God and it looks as if we had won that won that argument, evil has been established already. Uh, because how can you be winning God in an argument? So it's not that really you want God. It's that God gave you left you to your ways. Uh, because you can't win God. You can't win God. So for, for you to come into that place of argument with God and God gives way, it means that um, in, that man has, 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 actually, has, actually, um, has actually come to that point where he has excused, he has, he, he, he has, he has um, lost an opportunity for salvation. Praise God. So that's why we need to be very, very careful Anytime we are engaging God, when God is visiting us and presenting his perspective to us, when God is coming, we need to come to that place of uh, humility that when God is presenting his perspective, we are, we are, we, we, we don't have a say. We don't have a say. I come to the feet of Jesus to listen. I can pour out my heart, but pouring out my heart is not for him to actually see my perspective and maybe uh, give me, uh, what would I use? Uh, 
maybe we'll see my perspective and um, give me room. That eya kwele. No, there's no eya kwele there. The end of it is that that perspective, no matter how much I'm pouring my heart before God, the end of it is that I'm I'm dropping my perspective. If my perspectives are not dropping, I'm not repenting. So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, when we are coming before God, it's not that, it's not a pity party arrangement. Mm. It's not a pity party arrangement. And we have to be very, very careful that when we are approaching God in that manner, we approach it in fear. Mm. Many of us don't have fear. Mm. The Bible says something. It said, the mercy of God are unto those that fear him. The mercy of God, I think it's in Psalm 25. He said, the mercy of God are unto those that fear him. He said, the sinners shall he teach his ways. You see? That sinner there is not a man that is not ready to repent. The sinner shall teach his ways. He's a man that agrees that he's a sinner. That's the only one God can teach his ways. Any man that has not agreed with God that he's a sinner, God cannot teach his ways because what will he be turning away from? A man that does not see his ways as a sinful way cannot turn away from it. So every single time the light of God comes, we must agree that there's something evil inside us that needs to give way. The reason why our growth is slow is because we are disagreeing with light. And see, and because we are in the fellowship and any time revelation comes, we say, mm. that mm does not mean that we are agreeing. Yes. Sir. Yes. You know, in our midst, that is very common. Revelation will just bust out. Say, mm, hey, hey, wow. And we make that noise and we think that, yes, because we shouted, hey, hey, wow, it means that we have totally agreed with it. It's when we get to yes, an argument starts in the heart and the Lord begins to make demands that we now know that really, really, we do not agree. That's how we actually know that we do not really agree. And I'm not seeing, it's good to react to the word of God. I'm serious. Like, I get excited when the reaction is one of Even when I'm preaching and people are reacting, me too, I like it. It mm. gives me ginger to preach. But at the end of the day, that away, wow, chai, that we are shouting, is not the end of it. That mm. chai should actually end up in attacking Satan. You use that light or you use that light to launch assault on Satan. Praise Jesus. So if that light is not launching assault on works of Satan inside the soul, it's just it's just an exclamation. It ends there. It's just an exclamation. Sir. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's just an exclamation. An exclamation does not mean repentance. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because I exclaimed does not mean, and sometimes because I cried after ministration does not mean I've repented. Yes, sir. Many of some of us are very emotional. We just know how to cry. Yes. But when the Lord now says, "Go and go and say sorry to your sister that yeah. that offended you," after the cry, you now clear your eyes and I say, "God, I was the meaning about this. Don't you see what she did to me?" Yeah. And that's why you now know really, 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 really that yeah. did you really, really that cry? Did that really cry really touch something? Jesus. Hey. Praise Jesus. So, uh, and I like I like it. It's good to cry after mm. ministration. It's good. Even me, I cry sometimes. 
Sometimes after minute, sometimes in my prayer, I still cry this week. Oh. Yes. So it's not about that we should not cry. Me, it's okay. I like someone that can cry in front of people. And in, in, in that manner, I can break down. And shamelessly, it's good. But you know, we can't deceive it. We can't deceive God. Mm. We can't deceive God. So sometimes when some people come to me and they come to talk about something, maybe a sin they committed, and they are crying. And they are crying, oh, yes, I can hold you. I can hold your hand. I can say sorry. But it doesn't mean that we will not talk about it. We have to talk about it. And if I need to rebuke you, I will still rebuke you. That cry will not stop it. The reason is because that cry is not salvation. Mm. That cry should only soften their hearts for rebuke. So that when you are being rebuked, you can take it. True. Not that after you cry, they now rebuke you, you now get angry. <laughs> and be offended. So why is there, what's the essence of the cry if rebuke will now lead to offense again? Praise Jesus. And his right. pastors that suffer this thing because a pastor that just wants to serve God and just say sorry and just and just tell you what God wants you to hear. He's the one that suffers it because at the end of the day, he might still have to come and say sorry to you because you got offended because you were corrected. Mm-hmm. But really, really, being corrected does not should not lead to offense. Even let me even say something. Even if the pastor did not say it well, or even if your brother did not say it well, or did not say it the way he's supposed to say it, mm-hmm. it's not that you now concentrate on how he said it and not change. Yeah. You know, some of us, in order to excuse our sin, we will now concentrate on how it was said. Yeah. And not pay attention to what was said. Yeah. And one thing about God is that when God wants really, really, really want us to repent, he brings us to a place where you you, you, you would like to bring us to a place of humility. Sometimes, is somebody younger than you that will come and correct you. Ooh. And if you like, don't change. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's saying sometimes it can be very shameful. Yes. Sometimes it can be very shameful. Imagine you have been in life meeting for the past four years. Someone that just came last year is the one that corrected you. It will take humility to take the correction. Yes, sir. But if someone cannot take that correction, then the heart of repentance is not there. I, I, you know, God is very funny. He like he likes all those arrangements. Sometimes it's congregation that will come and correct pastor, and the congregation even sometimes the congregation will not say it in a bad way, but because of pride, sometimes that pastor will now have to deal and subdue the thing, and actually accept the correction. Praise God! I'm not saying you don't have to be correcting your pastor. <laughs> Just tell you that there are some arrangements. That God, that God will arrange, and it's okay to take humility. It might be the member of the department that will correct HOD. Yeah, it can God can let it happen that way. So a heart must be configured in a way for so if your heart values salvation, even the way he said does not matter to that yes, heart. Sir. Yes, sir. If truly, truly salvation is valued, yes, sir. Our value for salvation is low. That's why sometimes we get offended at correction. Mm. I want my value for salvation to increase. Yes, sir. Mm. If my value for salvation is high enough, 
you just notice that no matter how or where the correction comes from, and I notice that anybody that corrects you in a wrong way, and the person didn't mean any wrong, the Lord has a way of correcting that person too. The Lord has a way of correcting that person too. But I must value salvation to the point where the way he said is not, is not what I should pay attention to. The way he said is not what I should be paying attention to. What matters is what is being said. And if truly, truly, what is being said is true correction and the Holy Ghost is bearing witness in, in our heart, then we should take it. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So anytime God comes to us and begins to reason with us, that reasoning is that he wants to purge our perspective and install his own perspective. So that's why he said, though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye, you see, you see what ends it in verse 19. If ye be what? My brother, read that for me, verse 19. If ye be willing and obedient, yeah, ye so shall yeah, yeah, you shall eat the good of the land, right? Yes, sir. Aha. Then verse 20, what do you now say? But if ye refuse, if ye refuse and rebel, stay there, stay there, stay there. So anytime repentance is not done, something, what happened is refusal and rebellion. Praise God. Anytime repentance doesn't happen, what really happens is, because there's no vacuum in the spirit, is either, is either obedience or rebellion. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no vacuum in the spirit. It's either you obeyed or you rebelled. And that's why you need to be very careful. Anytime repentance does not happen, rebellion is at work. Yeah. So there's Satan, Satan is so wicked that he has tightened every corner. Any, any, any high, any high we take away from God like this, he's taking advantage of it. And he does not even need to come there. There's already a system at work in the world that takes the place of God. Once a man turns his eye away from God like this, the system at work in this world just takes over. And he said something, he said, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So the end of rebellion is devourer, is, is being devoured. Mm -hmm. So many times when repentance is not done and we continue sin, we are being devoured. Sin is a plague. We need to see sin as a plague. Sin is a pandemic of the soul. It multiplies. It's, a, it's cancerous. We need to understand that. So we don't give sin excuse. We don't even soak ourselves in sin. Quick, be quick to repent. That's what the Bible says. Because we know that sin multiplies. Sin multiplies as a cancerous rate. So we should be Quick to repent. That's what the Bible says. So that so one thing about being quick to repent is that you stop that process of multiplication of sin. Have you noticed that many people that steal large sum of money at work, many people that um, that do scam all those things, some of them just started from lying. <laughs> some it just started from lying. From lying. It becomes being um, being being uh, deceptive. 
from being deceptive, it starts growing. Before you know it, covetousness has been established. And once covetousness is established, covetousness has no bound. Covetousness is very skillful. Covetousness can even show in a, in a righteous way. Mm. It can look righteous. Yes, sir. Covetousness can show like you are doing the person good. Praise God. So sin is, sin is very skillful. Sin is so skillful that sometimes, sometimes it will look like it will look like righteousness. And that's why the only thing that can deal with sin is a light. Is light. Because sin can look righteous sometimes. Praise God. Yeah. I think I've said many things for what I'm saying. I'm going, going to next, but let, let's read the book again. The need for repentance. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The need for repentance. Number one is for salvation. Need for repentance is for salvation. The end, we've said that last week. The end uh, of repentance is salvation. Let's quickly open to James chapter 1, verse 21. I would like to read from verse 19, though. My brother. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, mm -hmm. let every man be swift to hear, mm -hmm. slow to speak, mm -hmm. to rot. Mm -hmm. The rod of man of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Praise Jesus. The rod of man walketh not the righteousness of God. God. Continue. Let's read it. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and mm -hmm. superfluity of right of naughtiness. Praise God. Hallelujah. And receive with meekness grafted yeah. mm -hmm. word, which is Thank able you. to save your souls. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your souls. Now, from verse 19, you see the process of what we are saying from verse 19. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's from verse 19 that we will see the process is swift to hear. Slow yes. to Wherefore, beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. I notice that anybody that is quick to speak is always argumentative. Okay. That is quick to speak is very argumentative. People that are slow to speak are not quite argumentative and slow to rot. Now, slow to rot, you can think that um, all about it is that getting angry. I, I see it from all angles of slow to rot. You see mm. that quickness in taking action too. Mm. That quickness in taking action without thinking, without checking your spirit, man, is being, being quick to rot. Mm. Yeah, you see, when a man just takes action rashly without checking his spirit, man, he's being quick to rot. He's a, he's a weakness. He's a weakness. He's the act of a man that believes that that believes in self-sufficiency. A man is quick to rot because he thinks he has the idea and he has the knowledge to carry to a solution. So he's all, he, will, he will be quick to rot, quick to take action. Praise God. For the rot of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to receive an engrafted word. And the end of the revelation of that word, which is now there's revelation can come. It doesn't mean that the day revelation comes, the day to be engrafted. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So. We, we, 
the revelation is engrafted as we yield to it. Mm. Praise God. It's as we yield to the revelation that it becomes engrafted. Engrafted is actually a process of cutting away and uh, to be to graft is to cut away a particular um, stem off and put uh, maybe let's say bitter orange and sweet orange and you want to turn the bitter orange to sweet you take the stem of one of the um, sweet orange cut out a a stem out of the um bitter orange and attach it before you know it it influences it before you know it the taste of that orange changes mm. that's actually the problem in grafting and grafting is to influence the nature of something. Yes. And grafting actually influences nature. So before you know it, it's bitter orange, but by the time you start, you you uh, it starts germinating. Even though the root is bitter orange, but by the fact because um the the grafting of sweet orange has been added, the taste of the of the fruit will change. Yes, so and grafting really really is alteration. Of um former nature. Sure. Yes. Yeah, it's an alteration of the former nature, which actually is actually what salvation is. Oh yes, mm. for salvation to happen, there must be an engraft, there must be an engrafting. So you see in the book of Revelation, uh, Romans, when Paul was talking to the to the um Jews. He was saying that when he was talking to the um, Romans, is that they were engrafted into Israel. They were engrafted into Israel. So what what, what, what I was trying to tell them is that, and what was done is that they they were attached. So salvation takes engrafting. Praise God. So you will see that in the verse 22 is actually what really strikes me. He said, but ye are doers of the world and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's so clear. Me, I feel like scripture is very clear that nobody should be arguing with scripture. Yes, sir. Praise Jesus. You know, what is happening in our generation right now with LGBTQ world is that they don't want to agree that there's depravity of the soul. Yeah, they, they want to say that their present nature is their is their inborn nature. Yeah. That that's the nature God planned from the beginning. It's a lie. They don't want to agree to the fall of man. Once a man can agree that man is falling, he will not just accept any thought that crosses his mind. A man feeling like he's a woman is a falling thought yes, that sir. needs to be repented of. Yes, that's the thought of a falling man. A man that thinks he needs to marry another man is a falling thought. Once a man can agree that this thought is not, is a falling thought, it's because of the blindness and the blindness of my mind and the ignorance of my heart. That's why this kind of thought is coming. Then he will not agree with it. But Satan has been able to deceive men that there's nothing like, like depreciation of man. There's nothing like the fall of man. So many people, when they're having those thoughts, they will say, that's where I am. No, 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 no. That's a falling man. Sex before marriage, agreeing to sex before marriage is not the natural, um, it's not the natural uh, ordination of God. 
is a is a falling thought. Is a falling thought, and imagine not just that it's not easy now. You know, <laughs> this thing is not easy. No, no, you saying it's not easy does not change the fact that it's a falling thought. Yes. Saying that it's difficult does not mean does not change the fact that it's a falling thought. Is the thought of a falling man. And we once a man can notice can agree that whatever thought is crossing, that, that any thought that is agreeing with God is it any, any thought that crosses his mind is not necessarily his own thought, and it's not necessarily God's thought. In fact, no thought is our own. Thought either comes from the light of God's word or the wisdom of this world. That's those are where thoughts come from. Praise God. So salvation, the end of repentance is salvation. In other words, the soul must be purged of something. When repentance happens, there must be some, something must have been purged from the soul. A saint needs to consistently repent, make amends in his heart, in his day-to-day life, as the revelation of God's word comes forth. This enables such a saint to continually experience salvation from infirmities, sins in the soul, as God's word is being unveiled. Praise God. Hallelujah. As God's word is being unveiled, one thing that is happening is that a, the uh, the a, um, the the a contradicting light to the work a contradicting activity that contradicts the work Satan has done in the soul begins to find its way into the heart, and the end of it is that that contradiction, that thing that contradicts the work of Satan in the soul, we find we find it is um, is is ground in our soul. That's the end of it. That's salvation. Once light finds the ground in our soul, salvation has happened. Praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. To eventually arrive at perfection, that's the end of salvation, to eventually, of, of repentance. So, one thing about repentance is that we continuously repent and repent until perfection is reached. Many people don't believe in perfection, but let me make us understand that God did not give an expectation, uh, an, an impossible expectation. Number one, it's not even us that we do it. It's God that we do it himself. It's God that we do. It's God that we establish perfection in the soul. It's not we that we do it ourselves. All we need to do is make ourselves available and not argue with God. Hmm. Anytime we argue with God, we are telling God, I'm not available. That's literally what we are doing. We are literally telling God, God, I'm not available. But when we make our, our heart available to God for God to work, when God says, Lord, I come, I will knock at the door. Anytime God is knocking at the door of our heart, we should be open. We should be ready to open. In fact, we should get to the point that you just have to knock again. You should be open. The fact that it's knocking means that the door is closed. He doesn't need to knock. He needs to come and establish himself there. Praise Jesus. So the end of it, to eventually arrive in perfection. When a sin refuses to repent, make amends according to revelation of, of Christ that is being given, such a sin will not be able to continue joining in the spirit. Will not be able to continue joining in the spirit. So anytime we repent, you are taking a step further in the spirit. Anytime we repent, a step has been taken further in the spirit. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The danger of this is that sins, this um, joining the spirit. The danger of this is that sins, this world and death might catch up with that sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
let's quickly open to um James chapter one verse thirteen. James chapter one verse thirteen. Yes. Praise God. Let no man say. 13, read thirteen. Okay. To, to fifteen. Okay. From verse thirteen, let no man say when he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Yes. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Yes, his own So now let's look at it from the point. Any man that is tempted is drawn away from his own lust. In other words, there's lust. Satan has worked lust in the soul. So anytime he wants man to sin, he just needs to come out. It's like a remote sensor. Uh. It's like a remote sensor. He, there's something in the soul that Satan can touch that will make a man behave his, the way he wants him to behave. Is that thing in the soul that is there that can make Satan make that Satan can use to make that man act the way he wants him to act is what God wants to disengage from the us from. And that's why it takes leading to undo it. It's like a remote sensor. Anytime Satan talks to a man, there's a software that is already in that soul that has capacity to respond to him. Hmm. Jesus. So anytime we disobey him, we are, we are, it's like we are, we are, we are shutting down that sensor. So that's why Jesus Christ said, The God of this world came and found nothing in me. There's nothing he can touch that will make me react to him. Hmm. Hmm. He found nothing in me that will make me respond to him. Hmm. Yes. So you see, you, 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 we'll see that uh, the, the danger is that, let's continue that scripture, please. Okay. So, verse, yes. Verse 15. Then yeah. when lost has conceived. When lost has conceived. So, please, ah, let's quickly deal with this. Is it immediately the thought comes to your mind that you that we react, that we start doing it? No, sir. Uh-huh. Let me give you an example now. Maybe a brother. Some people, when they when immediately the thoughts cross, like maybe somebody asks them a question, they are quick to lie. Understand that one. That one is a major infirmity. That one is a major infirmity that they don't even think about it. Some people is like they already have lie installed somewhere that this one I've saved it for, for the days of opportunity. I don't understand how that happened. They don't think about it. That if if you are somebody like that, you oh. need to you need to ask for help. Wow. Praise Jesus. You need oh. to ask for serious help from God. That's a danger zone. Oh. That's a serious danger zone. Nobody should be like that. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Nobody should be like that. That's a serious danger zone. That is, is not something you just think about. It just flows out. That person needs to ask for help. There needs to be help. God needs to, God needs to visit that person. So let me, let me now ask us a question. Is it the day immediately we conceive that thought that we carry it out? But we notice that that thought it takes time. We ruminate on it, we ruminate on it, and ruminate on it till it gets to a point where we now give ourselves to it. 
Yes, sir. It's like a process. Hmm. A man of God says something. I don't know why I'm using this, all these experience, all these um, uh, example of communication. A man of God said, if a, uh, a congregation came to a meeting, I said, he fell into the scene of fornication. The man of God said, calm down, let's sit down and analyze this. Because you use the word phone, and I don't believe you fell. <laughs> that you can tell me that you walked into it. Now, let me, let's ask ourselves that question. You were the one that carried your leg from your house. Now, before you even carry your leg from your house to go to the girl's house or to the boy's house, the thought crossed your mind. We, we did not say, we did not fight the thoughts, or you fought the thoughts to a point, the thought overcame you. Now, you had the opportunity of calling the friend and say, ah, this is the thought that is crossing my mind, help me. You did not do it. You carry yourself. Sometimes, maybe you took bus. It's not that you drove. You took bus, one hour, 30 minutes bus. You go to the place. Within that one hour, 30 minutes bus of, maybe 30 minutes drive, or one hour, 30 minutes of bus ride, repentance is not happening. And turn back. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? You still continue ruminating on the thoughts. You are going there, you continue ruminating on the thoughts. And you notice that within that process, even if the Lord says, oh yeah, try reading your Bible, you not read Bible. Because you know what you are going to do. <laughs> within that one hour, 30 minutes of bus ride or 30 minutes drive, repentance is not happening. You still carry yourself, you are going there. The person will come, are you, are you here yet? You say, yes, I'm close. Repentance has not happened. Wow. Then you go into the house. You enter into the house. They serve you food, you eat. Repentance is not happening. That's, that's in the space of like three hours. Maybe you now watch movies. Ah. You are watching movie. The movie is playing. You, know, you did not stand up and say, I'm, I'm ready to go. Then before one thing leads to another, hands are flying everywhere. Things are going around. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then you now get to the point where you say, I fell into sin. You did not fall. That's not the fault. It was well thought out. It was something that was you we think what you think about, you thought about it, you you planned it, then you carried it out. So you know, sometimes we deceive ourselves. We I would like using those languages. I just fell into it. I didn't even know how it happened. I didn't even know how it happened. You don't know how it happened, okay? Let me analyze it to you again. You know how it happened. You wanted it. Praise God. So if we can be very sincere with ourselves, and not be using some languages that excuse repentance, that will excuse repentance, maybe there will be solutions to many things that we do over time. Maybe there will be solutions to it over time. You know that once you start calling a sister consistently, you might be sending the wrong message, but every time, 9 p.m., 11 p.m., 12 p.m., you still stay on the phone. You give the sister attention, and you are giving the sister attention, but you know that you are sending the wrong sister, and you don't have intentions. 
You now say that I don't know, I don't even know what's wrong with me. I don't know how it happened. And the sister is there crying, you led me on, you led me on. But you, you still say that I, I did not know. But you know, you know what you are doing now. The brother said that she led me on. No, you know, because you are picking the calls, you are calling, you are sending funny messages, you are sending texts like, have you eaten? Jesus. <laughs> so well, let me ask you a question. A sister that's been admiring you, a brother that's been admiring you, you wake up, he wakes up at early in the morning and the text he sees is, have you eaten? What do you think will be crossing his mind? Praise God. Hallelujah. What do you think will be crossing that brother's mind? What do you think will be crossing that sister's mind? Oh, this brother likes me. Oh, he doesn't like me. And the sister will now reply, the brother will say, no, I've not eaten. Do you have anything for me? Boy, you know, you send food. You say you are just doing brotherly love. What kind of brotherly love is that? Okay, let me move away from this place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, let me order food for you. Bread and life. Praise Jesus. If you're hungry, go to your pastor's house. Praise God. Yes, if you're hungry, come to my house. Let's food. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hope I'm not offended anybody. Awesome. Praise God. Hallelujah. So repentance is that you see, you see it, and you are ready to disengage from it. That's repentance. That's repentance. You are ready to disengage from it. So if a disengagement is not happening, repentance has not happened. It's like a it's like a it's like a, a a rope you are cutting, you cut it off, you burn a bridge. Repentance is burning a bridge. A bridge must be burnt. When I say bridge, it means that you can't cross it back. Yeah. Everything that needs that gives way to that place has been broken. There are some, there's uh there are some there are some there are some people's number you just need to delete if you really, really want to depend. Yeah, repent. You delete some phone numbers. There are some apps on your phone you delete. That's repentance. There are some there are some websites you block on your phone. Some calls you don't pick again. You block some numbers. Then you because you, you salvation must be salvation must be must be exalted. Don't worry. Today is my last day of teaching. You will not see me until you will not see me until a while. So let me be free. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ah, praise Jesus. Also, the saint that does not repent is not a follower of the Lamb, wherever, whithersoever the Lamb goeth. Such would never arrive in perfection, which is coming to Zion. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Coming to Zion. Zion is a place of lights. You see in Isaiah chapter 2, they said it. And he said, um, every other mountain shall be hired, and the, the mountain of God shall be exalted above every other mountain. And all people shall come. Let us go to the house of the shall teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, Zion is a, a place of, of a place where ways is being churned out. And for repentance to happen, we must be turning away from our ways and receiving God's ways. Praise Jesus. So a man that is excusing sin and not repenting will not end up in 
in perfection. Perfection is possible on earth. These things are being argued. What is perfection? When a man gets to a point where he has yielded to the wisdom of God so much that he's wiser than the wisdom of this world, that's perfection. It means that the wisdom of this world cannot turn him, cannot touch him. And it's possible. Sin met us in this world. We should not say that sin, we cannot subdue sin. Man was not created to serve sin. Sin met man in the world. So when, when man had capacity over sin until he gave himself to it, praise Jesus. Yeah. Then see, to escape the corruption that is in this world, I, I was just talking about just, that just now. To escape the corruption. Now, you can't escape. For you to escape something, you must be wiser than that. You can't escape something that is wiser than you. I can't escape something that is wiser than me. So, the, the essence of reasoning with God. You see, when God is saying, let us reason together, it's because he wants to elevate our thoughts. Anytime God reasons with us, our thoughts will be elevated. Praise God. So, what this world does is that it kills the soul, makes it irresponsive to God, and makes the soul a hater of God. This world, true sin, hardens the soul against truth. By continually repenting according to the revelation of God's word being shared forth, we escape corruption that is in the world through lust and escape being hardened by the deceitfulness of the of sin. When the Bible says deceitfulness of sin, deception is an outplay of a wisdom. There's no way a man can be deceived without a wisdom at play. Praise God. So when we say deceitfulness of sin, it means that a wisdom has been played on a man and until that man is able to become wiser than that thing, he's still under that thing. But the attitude of repentance is that attitude of repentance allows light to shine and a wisdom that is coming from the Holy Spirit to find um, to, to find its place in the soul. So when that wisdom finds its place in the soul, it will subdue the wisdom that is causing a man to sin. It's a wisdom. It's a practical of wisdom because it starts with the thought. It's more like it's a convincing thought. Sin is like a convincing thought. You are convinced into it. And anytime we are convinced into it, we agree to it. So, but if I'm wiser than somebody, the person that not convinced me into something because I'm wiser than whatever thought is bringing so one thing about repentance is that we repentance permits the light of God to come. Or the, and that light of God is God's wisdom. And when we engage that wisdom, the wisdom is higher than whatever deceitfulness sin wants to bring. Praise Jesus. Essence of doctrine of repentance from dead work. So why do we need to study repentance from dead work? Why that doctrine? Because even Peter, Paul said, he said, this we will do if the Lord permits. So it's a necessary thing. It's a necessary thing we should do. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's very necessary. To protect and culture the heart from being hardened. Praise God. Now, we have said it from James chapter 1. That, my brother, is like, we don't finish this James chapter 1. <laughs> from verse 15. From verse 15. Yeah. Then when lust had conceived, mm -hmm. bring it forth sin. Yes. 
and sin when it is finished. Praise then, God. You see, when sin is finished, that means when you engage in it. Hmm. When you engage in it over time, what happens is that you yeah. bring effort words. Yes. You see, that hardness of the heart is a death operation. What I'm always begging God for is, especially when correction is brought to me and I feel like maybe I'm angry or hmm. um, I'm arguing in my heart concerning it. One thing I beg God for is, God, please, if I'm hardening my heart, let me know as early as possible. Because sometimes some sin, um, some sin um, lie on the lie on the uh, on the fence of our ego. Hmm. Yes, some sin. One of the strength of some sin is our ego. So once we let our ego play out, that sin will just be having a few days. So that's why I'm always begging God. God, if this is my ego, please help me. Help me. But sometimes our ego play out there. Sometimes there's just a little weakness in the heart. That why don't you just consider what this person is saying? But our ego can play out. So to protect the heart from being added through deceitfulness of sin that causes the heart to depart from the living God. So the thing is that once our um, deceitfulness of sin is established, and Satan is able to deceive us into a sin. We are already walking away from God. You know, I already said it, that every repentance is a step towards God. Yes, sir. Every repentance is another step towards God. B, to guard against stagnancy. Uh, Pastor Mika said something one day. He said, if a man stays too long in a journey of righteousness, corruption starts setting. Mm -hmm. This is something I heard. Pastor or, uh, or Ebron, I'm not sure, either of them. This is something I heard, like, I think it was 2013 or 14. No, 2013. And that thing still stayed in my head till now. I still remember that statement clearly. How I heard it, the situation where it was said, how it was said. Now, if you stay too long on a journey of righteousness, on one journey of righteousness, if you are stagnant in a journey of righteousness, corruption will set in. And that was one day that God, I started begging God that God, let me constantly be moving. You know, even the Yubo who said a rolling stone gathered no moss. That as long as the stone is moving, it does not gather dust. Mm -hmm. So stagnancy is not good in our Christian journey. Stagnancy is not good. So repentance is continuously taking steps forward. Continuously taking steps forward. I know now it was disengaging from something. Um, so, guard against stagnancy in the things of God and to protect against apostasy, breach or departing from the faith. This is understanding this doctrine will help us to settle with a particular truth or level of higher or, or level of light or refuse to continue joining in the spirit with the people of God. Now, let me quickly deal with this issue of apostasy because some people have said that uh, once you are born again, you can never go to hell. Uh, now, we are not saying that you just get born again today and tomorrow because you told the lie, you are going to hell. No. I just really want to explain this and post this here because there's a lot of doctrine out there. It's not just something that can easily happen, but it's a place where a man can end up in. It's a place that a man can end up in. My brother, help me open to Second Peter chapter 1. Yeah. Let's see. 
verse 19. No, first Peter. Z1, first Peter 119. Let me, I'm looking for sorry. Okay. I'm looking for that scripture. Let me look for this scripture. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. It's second Peter chapter 2. Okay. But let's read from verse 19. Verse 19. Okay. Praise God. From verse 19. While they promise them liberty. Yeah themselves are the servants of corruption yes for of whom a man is overcome mm -hmm. and of of the same he is brought in bondage mm -hmm. 20 for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world Praise God. now look look at this after they have escaped the pollution of the world through what through the knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ look at this they have escaped the pollution of the world now I'm almost, I'm totally convinced that they're not talking about born again yet. They're talking yes, about sir. sanctification. Yes, sir. He's not born again yet. Mm. He now says something, he said, They are again entangled daring and overcome. The later end is worse with them than the beginning. You see? The later end is worse than the beginning. It's not something that happens immediately. Mm. Apostasy is not something that happens immediately, but it's something that if you are not careful, it can happen. If a man constantly gives it, but let's quickly read verse 18, then we'll see the process where how a man can end it. Let's quickly read verse 18, please. Verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error you see also praise god so you um, see that you see that is by giving themselves their allured to the lust of the flesh praise god hallelujah is an alluring of the lust of the flesh so when a man gives himself to lust of the flesh consistently a time can come jesus can become a fairy tale to him mm. oh yes no matter how much he has grown he can he can he can fall into that pit. So that's why pregnancy is not good. Sure. Anytime there's stagnancy, there's really, really no stagnancy, there's regression. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing called stagnancy in the spirit. Yes. Yes. Once a man is not moving forward, he's moving backward. Sure. And he can fall into apostasy. So we need to be very, very careful and humble. Sure. So you need to be humble. See, okay, let me continue. That, that this understanding, this doctrine will help us not to settle with a particular truth or level of life or refuse to continue joining in the spirit with the people of God. You see, so you can't just stay one level of light. You know, there are some people they will say, ah, this, let me just stay in Christ. So this is the last thing that I'm talking about. It looks as if it's, we are just being extra. After all, I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified. Why do I have to learn the wisdom of incorruptibility? If I'm sanctified, is that not enough? I don't mm. need to be incorruptible. But once you are sanctified and we don't continue in, and we don't give ourselves to incorruptible light, corruption will set in. Because we must be moving in the spirit. Anytime we stop the journey, we start moving back. 
And one thing about it is that we might not know. Hmm. I don't know we are moving back. Only help us in Jesus' name. Amen. To put the concept of joining in the soul. Essence of repentance is that it will be established in the soul that repentance will make the soul recognize the concept of joining. That means it must be moving forward. Anytime new light comes, repentance back. Any new light that comes must lead to repentance. For the sanctification of the soul and body. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sanctification of the soul and the body. The, it's not only the body that should be sanctified. It's not only the soul that should be sanctified. It should end up in the body becoming quickened. If the spirit that dwells in, that Jesus Christ on the day dwells in our mortal body, in us, it will quicken our mortal body. The body can be quickened. Body can be quickened. I'm not saying uh, resurrected body now. Mm -hmm. The only time the men talk about resurrected bodies after um, um after um, resurrection. So there's different between resurrected body and a quickened body. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The body can be quickened. The body can be so vitalized. The body can be vital. When I'm saying vitalized, not that it's going to not fall sick. It truly do not fall sick. But being vitalized is that it does not respond to the urges of this world. He has gained enough strength to refuse the urge of this world. That's the vitality of the body. Know that there are some things that we know that we should not do, but the body craves sometimes. Do you know? Yes, sir. Yes. And I'll give you an example. Even alcohol is one of it. Hmm. Drunkenness is one of it. You get what I'm saying? Yes, you can, you can, you can, you, you can know that you should not give yourself to excessiveness, excessive alcohol, but the body can crave it. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a little example I want to give. That's not all of it. I just want us to just see a perspective. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, F, no, no, E, to cultivate the attitude of godly repentance. There's godly repentance. That's the essence of this, of this teaching. This doctrine is to cultivate the attitude of godly repentance. When we say godly repentance, godly repentance is the repentance that God prescribed by himself, that the scripture prescribes. We've been explaining for the past three weeks. There's a there's a repentance that the 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 the, the spirit of God prescribes. Praise Jesus. That's right. actually true repentance. That's the repentance that is godly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. There's so much grace in today's atmosphere. So uh, let's enjoy ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I want to just thank God for like 30 seconds. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Uh, to always walk within us a broken heart 
and a contrite heart. The Bible says, to this man will I look unto. The man that can catch God's attention is a broken, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He catches God's attention. God cannot look away from that kind of man. Mm. Now, that broken heart is a heart that is quick to repent. He's broken because now, now he's become, when he says something is broken, he's malleable. He can bend. That's what it takes to be broken. Being bendable is to be broken. Many of us are very strong. We don't know how to give away our perspective. We don't know how to let go of our own perspective. That's being too strong. So people, and the people will now, they, will now, they, they now use the word now, I'm just strong-willed. I know what I want. I'm a very strong-willed person. No, no, no. Be mm. God-willed. Mm. Yeah. Let God be able to will you. Don't be strong-willed. One of the thing, attitude of a contractor is that even when he's taking an action, and even the Lord has told him that this is what he should do, he's still checking. In case he has missed it somewhere. Hmm. Still checking. Every single step on the way of that leading, he's still checking. Because a broken heart and a contrite spirit believes that it can be wrong. He sees his, infalli his infallibleness and is ready to actually be wrong. Yes. Praise Jesus. Yeah. The issue of condemnation with regards to repentance. Let's stay here. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Wow, thank you, Lord. Yeah. When the light of God's word shines in our soul and we are convicted of an act of sin, we are expected to confess our sin. Praise God. This way, I want to stay here for a while before I move on. Confession of the sin. Confession. Now, confession can go many ways. Confession can be you confessing directly to God. And sometimes confession can be going to your friend and confessing it. Either of the two, every man should be open to it. Many of us are still afraid of the shame around our sin. That when the Lord is re 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 uh, revealing to us the process or the practical way of overcoming it, sometimes we find it difficult to carry it out. Let me give you an example. A brother that maybe has been leading prayer in church all the time, firebrand, praise God. Hallelujah. He now commits a sin. And the Lord now says, go and tell your pastor. Hey. Now, that telling your pastor is the prescription for repentance. That thing can be hindered because of pride. But when we come to that point where we, the attitude of we are not sin, we'll be able to go and confess to our pastor that, ah, I've committed sin. Pastor, I need your help. I want us to understand that there's no sin that we should, we should, not, we should not, there's no sin that we should always classify as, uh, you know, there are some sin will come, we say this thing will go to my, we go to the grave with me. So people swear, this one will go to the grave with me. No sin should what that, that kind of um, oath. I will never let it come out of my mouth. No, no, no. You don't make oaths like that. No sin should want that kind of con commitment. No sin should want that commitment. We should be able to confess the sin. Either first, either yet first to God, but sometimes there's a prescription of go and tell your brother, go and tell your pastor. Sometimes God does it. There's a reason. God knows the, the way the soul has been ingrained in the soul and he knows the solution to it. 
He knows what to prescribe to you. So sometimes he will tell you go and expose it. Now, no sin should what covering to that extent that you will now lead to disobedience. So we should be quick to confess, God, I have sinned. I'm sorry. You see that God I have sinned. I'm sorry. He does something to the heart. He does something to the heart. He it um it makes the heart move away from being hardened. It softens the heart and makes the heart malleable. I'm sorry should not be hard. Even I'm saying sorry to your brother should not be difficult. In fact, we should grow so much that even when it's our brother that is wrong, we should be open to saying sorry. Yeah. We say, ah, I'm my, I'm my brother. We say sorry to each other all the time. Ah, I'm sorry. I don't even know that's what I said. That's what I meant, though. It's a common thing among us. It should not be difficult. It should not be difficult. Repentance. God, I'm sorry, is not something, it's not shameful. It's not shameful. There's no shame there. And sometimes, you need, that, that, sometimes that shame can be salvation somewhere, too. Hmm. When you remember the shame you feel, faced, sometimes you don't want to go back there. <laughs> While the Lord is still working, dealing with the, the nature, sometimes the shame can chase you away from actually engaging in the game. And it's okay. That's why the Bible was talking about being shame-faced, being shame-facedness. Some people don't have shame-facedness. Some people will sin and they will just be comfortable. And they will still be just normally. Sin should affect the emotion. Praise God. Hallelujah. We know that breaking away from some habitual sin, I've touched this one two weeks ago, from habitual sin, I've taken deep roots in the soul. We know that breaking away from some habitual sins that have taken deep roots in the soul is not easy. And I, I, I thank God that God helped me to deal with this, but I'll still talk about it. We know it is not easy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes there will be prescriptions around that thing. Sometimes there will be prescriptions around it. We need to be, and we need to, uh, we, and we need to be able to respond to the prescriptions God brings around. Sometimes it might be confessing to your brother, confessing to your pastor. So, humanly speaking, and in some case, it takes time. But one thing is true: all sins slash habits have their breaking point as we continue in the truth. A time can come that sin can snap. I've gone through it before. I've come to that. I've, I've actually experienced this one before. A sin can actually snap. Every sin has an elastic limit. The only thing that does not have an elastic limit is the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word can stretch and stretch and stretch into eternity. Sin cannot stretch into eternity. He has his breaking point. Only being consistent in truth we cause the sin to get to its breaking point. Mm. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So we need to be very, very conscious of things like this. That sometimes it can be unhappy, but there's always a breaking point. And one thing that encourages us is that we can actually be looking forward to that breaking point. The hope in that situation should be the breaking point of that sin. That's mm. a hope that we man should be looking at. Mm. Once a man can look at that hope and see the possibility of the breaking point of that sin, you will be able to continue in that in the truth. That's one thing hope does. Hope, hope gets makes it easy for sacrifice. Yes. When there's a hope, there's there's more 
there's easy ease around sacrifice. Because you are seeing a hope. You are seeing an end. Every scene has its breaking point. That you know, Satan can tell you that this pornography you are watching can never end. You can never stop it. It's not possible. It's a lie. It's a lie of Satan. He has his breaking point. Continue repenting and yielding to God. It will die. It's possible. It can die. It might just take time, but it has his breaking point. One thing that Satan has used is that he can convince a man that this thing you just, just, just when you get to heaven, the Lord will cleanse you of it. It can never end. It's a lie. It can end. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The issue of condemnation when we sin or if we have certain sin habits comes to the fore in the in this regard. And it's good for us to note the following. A. God does not condone, encourage or condone sin. Now, because God is always coming around you and saying, just continue in my word, it will end. Doesn't mean God is condoning it. He's mm. just prescribing and giving therapy. Mm. Praise God. Yeah. Sometimes, God can be very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean he's condoning it. Please, separate it. It's just like somebody that had an accident and there's pain in the leg. You keep massaging the, the leg and sometimes you have to put some painful press on it just for the, you know, when you press it and you stretch it, sometimes it might be painful. Uh -huh. But it doesn't mean that. But one thing that happens is that it's for that pain to go to. And sometimes they will tell you that you should lift your leg, don't touch it. Just, just make sure you are not moving too much. Doesn't mean that you want the pain to stay. Do you get what I'm saying? So sometimes the Lord will come and rub your head and rub our head, rub our back after sinning, after we are crying, it will come. Some people, Jesus Christ, I've even heard somebody that after he committed the sin, Jesus Christ appeared to him and told, and told him, don't worry yourself, just continue in my word. It doesn't mean Jesus Christ condones it. Mm -hmm. It's because he knows that the work has to be done for that thing to go. Yeah. So he's becoming encouraging. He's encouraging us to continue in his word, not to continue in the sin. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. So God does not condone sin. Yet, God does not, according to his word, never condemn. Condemnation is never from the Godhead. Condemnation is a tool in the hand of Satan and evil spirit against God's children. The Holy Ghost, God and Father, and Jesus the Son are all comforters. You see? They are all comforters, not condemners. The Lord implied this in John 14. Let's quickly read John 14, 16, 18, and 26. Quickly, please. John 14, 16, 18, and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Yes, another comforter. Now look at it. Jesus Christ was already a comforter on earth. Yeah. But he will send another comforter. So they are all comforters. Continue. That he may abide with you forever. Mm -hmm. even verse, of, verse 17 now. Even mm -hmm. the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, yes. it's yet him not. 
neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. You see? Come to you. Mm -hmm. yes. Let's stay there. I will, don't need to read verse 26. No, that's okay. God will never send any of his angels to come and condemn a believer. Never. So that thought that is crossing the mind, I say, ah, you want to go to church. I remember one time like that, after I just got born again. I just got born again, not quite long. And, you know, I've given myself to nonsense before then. So I was still struggling with many things. One day, I committed a sin overnight. I committed it in morning. And by the time it was already morning, and I, you know, just had a short nap and woke up, I told myself, God, I'm not going to church. And we had one pastor like that in my church. The man can pray. Once the man start praying like this, you just think that the man is seeing your sin. <laughs> so Satan just painted the man in my eye that once you enter inside church and this man see you, you know what he did through that. As in Satan projected my eye. Once this man sees you, you will know, ah, he will know what you did. So I told myself, I will know, ah, I'm not going. The Holy Ghost visited me. The Holy Ghost told me something. He said, You are running away from the solution. Hmm. You are running away from the solution. So that day, I just packed my clothes, showered. I don't even know if I showered that day. Because I already, there used to be a bus that used to pick us up. I used to pick us up on campus. I just told them that I'm not coming. So the bus had already left. I just packed my, I just wore my clothes, called the bike. I told the bike to just take over the church. I entered into the church that day. I had a peaceful time in church. Even though the condemnation was there, while the message was going on, I still enjoyed myself in church. It was like after the service, I was washed. Okay. But imagine that I did not go. Okay. If I did not go to church that day, I can bet that that morning I will continue that. I will continue it. So you see that you don't, like, God is a comforter. As I entered into the church and worship started, it looks as if the Lord just started talking to me that I love you. You know, that different words of comfort started coming while the worship was going on. Obviously, I wasn't worshiping like every other person because condemnation was in my heart. Others were in raising up holy hands, <laughs> as in their hands were high. Some were kneeling down. Me, I could not kneel down. I could not really raise up my holy hand because that hand to me was not holy at that moment. But one thing I noticed is that God came to comfort me in church that day. So you don't run away from God. You run to God. Yes, sir. You run to God. Now let's move on. B, God forgives us our sins when we confess them. Um, sin confession is actually an act of faith. Is an act of faith. Act of faith in the sense that we believe the word, that the word says we should confess our sin and we will be forgiven. So, when we do it, it's an act of faith. And we receive forgiveness by faith. Because once the word says it, it is done. So, anytime we confess, we thank God for forgiveness too. We truly confess our sin and say, God, we are sorry. You also thank him. We already read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Yes, Let's read Psalm 32, verse 5. 
Psalm 32, verse 5. I acknowledged my sin unto mm-hmm. thee, and mine iniquity, mine iniquity have I not hid. Yeah. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the iniquity Me. of my sin. I will confess it, and thou, it's not that if I confess it, I will not be thinking if you are going to forgive me. Once you confess it, forgiveness follows. And one thing about condemnation is that condemnation will always tell you that you should be forgiven. Act of faith is thanking him for forgiveness. If truly repented and the and committed to turn away, thank God for, for, for his forgiveness because truly he has forgiven you. Thank him for it. God does not wait for us to confess our sins twice or more before he forgives us. He forgives us immediately we confess and does not remember them again. Some of us, we feel like when we come to church, even though we have confessed that sin, when we come to church, it's just that the only thing God is seeing is our sin. But God, every time, the approach of God towards every repentance is a clean slate. God's approach towards every repentance is a clean slate. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Our heart and mind can condemn us of the sin that we have confessed and repented of. We've already dealt with this two weeks ago. That the heart can be condemning us, the mind can be condemning us. But the Bible said it in verse John. He said, God is greater than our heart. Let's read yes, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. 1 John 3, 19. Yeah. And hereby we know that we are of the truth mm-hmm. and shall assure our hearts before him. But if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Mm-hmm. Verse 21. Yes. If our heart condemns us, then we have confidence toward God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So God is greater than our heart. And if our heart condemns us, we have confidence toward God. So we can hold on to God. Even though there's condemnation there, because Satan can be launching assaults. Hmm. Satan has a way of launching assaults to the heart. He's an accuser of the brethren. Even yes. though he knows that you have been washed. He wants you to come to that point of unbelief. So that is a major problem of Satan. So we should not give ourselves to Satan. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. God does not wait for us to confess our sin twice or more before he forgives us. He forgives us immediately we confess and does not remember them again. Our heart and mind, yeah, our heart can, heart can condemn us and are not greater than if God, according to his word, has forgiven us, when we, sh- when we then we should not walk in the realm of sense to sink into condemnation of our heart and mind. God is greater than our soul and his word is true. Many of us, we don't believe God's word. Sometimes I have to constantly remind myself that God has forgiven me and it's okay. To remind yourself. It's okay to remind yourself that oh, God has forgiven me because sometimes we forget that it happens. Flesh does that. It happens, we forget. Now we should understand that Satan is the one that condemns. Satan is the one that condemns. God does not condemn anybody. Satan is the one that condemns. Please just give me like extra 10 minutes because I don't want to rush it. I know yes, I want to finish today, but I don't want to rush it. Yes, sir. Yeah, give me, yeah, please. 
I want to finish today, but I don't want to rush it. So, yeah, it's already 8 o'clock. Just give me small time, please. I beg you. Praise God. Satan is the one that condemns. And we should always remember that. So anytime thought of condemnation crosses the mind, let's remember that it's Satan. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's remember it's Satan. So anytime we condemnation comes, remember that this is not God talking to me. This is Satan talking to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Satan and his falling demons would bring condemnation to our soul just to distract, confuse, and weigh us down. But we are to resist their oppression by faith and walk in light of God's word. So anytime we yield to the thought of condemnation, we are agreeing with Satan and his court. Uh, we should not be agreeing with them. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. God will help us in Jesus' name. God mm. will make us wiser than the thoughts of condemnation. Amen. We have to be wiser than the thoughts of condemnation. God will help us. Amen. You know, there's, there's a way that Satan can come. You've already seen him ahead. Mm. Like we can be so wise. We've seen him mm. meters, kilometers ahead. We've already seen where he's going mm. and we can escape him. That's wisdom. That's rising above his wisdom. We can mm. see him ahead mm. and escape him. Sure. That's what wisdom does. Sure. Praise mm. God. Mm. Faith, the only true weapon against condemnation. I want to take this gently, please. One thing Satan and his fallen angels have not yet found answer to his fate. Satan has not found answer to fate. He says fate is a fate is um is an inverted nature to Satan's nature. Yeah, he can he he can he can he can use faith because he fell from faith. Yeah, so you will notice that once faith is at play, faith is a mysterious world to him. Faith is the only thing that can undo his work. Yeah. That's the only thing I can undo his work. So the Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's the when a just man is, is living by faith, he's alive. He's is yeah. is walking in the land of the living. That's actually what it means to be a faith man. And a man can be faithful, full of faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. Many believers want to feel forgiven. You know, I mentioned this two weeks ago. You want to feel forgiven before you believe that you have been forgiven. Mm. Like so doing, we stay in the realm of unbelief. Satan mm. is the one that stays in the place of feeling. Mm. That's why he launched us out to the earth. Okay, why are you still feeling like is it God has forgiven you? No, you should, because you are in this world and is the, is the God of this world, he might be able to influence your feeling, but he can't influence your faith. You should not allow him to influence your faith. But it can influence your feeling. But your faith can one day, once a man stays in faith, faith can super, faith can end up being superimposed on your feeling. So we need to be very, very careful that we are not looking for feeling or forgiveness. We stay with the word. 
they stay in the realm where Satan and evil spirit constantly attack when condemnation, even after they have confessed their act of sin to God. A believer does not have to feel forgiven. This thing, I've mentioned it, I've mentioned it over and over again, and God will help us to actually embrace these thoughts. Amen. You don't have to feel forgiven. There's a place of soberness. There's a difference between soberness and feeling of unforgiveness. There's a major difference there. You can be sober, but know that you have been forgiven. This sober state is actually a good state. But a, a man should not stay in condemnation and be looking for the right feeling to feel forgiven. That's unbelief. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us. That's what it does. Please, I want us to, I want us to stay in this place where we, we agree with the word. Um, we must be in agreement with the word, not our feelings. God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When Satan and his demons fire thoughts of sin that we that we have confessed and received forgiveness for into our heart, we should refuse to accept them by holding on to God's word. Those thoughts are actually the arrows of the devil, which scripture says we should point by holding on the shield of faith. That's Ephesians chapter 6. But let's read first Peter chapter 5, verse 9 quickly. I'm closing here. Oh my Galabash Devana. First Peter chapter 5, verse 9. As we are reading this, if we can be praying in tongues, start praying in tongues. We are closing up. Home resist steadfast in faith. Mm -hmm. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that mm -hmm. are in the world. Praise God. Steadfast in faith. Don't be moved. Be unmoved in your faith. Yes. It's not, that, it's not that you're not feeling it. Your feeling does not matter there. Hold on to faith, even though you are feeling it. I remember even in healing, just healing of your body. I remember one time like that, that I prayed to God for healing. I was still feeling the pain in my leg, but one thing I did is I, I continued walking. Even mm -hmm. though there was serious pain in my leg, I had not taken 10 to 20 steps, the pain had gone. Thank you, Jesus. Because you hold steadfast to faith, not the feeling. The same way with condemnation. We don't hold on to feeling. We hold on to the word. So the answer to condemnation is faith in what God's word says concerning us. We must actually know our identity in Christ and be able to hold on to it. There's something God has said about us. The seed of righteousness lives inside us. We have been imputed, right? Righteousness has been imputed into our hearts. Praise God. There's an imputation in us. God has imputed righteousness in us. The day he died on the cross, they will say, God, I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Something was imputed. A position of righteousness. Even though we still have to learn righteousness, but we have been positioned in it. And we have to recognize the fact of our position in Christ. We don't, we don't switch away from that position. It's in that position that we learn righteousness. We learn righteousness from the position of righteousness. We can't stay in the position of condemnation and be learning righteousness. It's not possible. Because that's the position of Satan. God will help us. Let's just unmute and just pray for the next three minutes that we'll pray. We'll thank God for tonight. 
Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Father, this three weeks of teaching has been a blessing, both to the preacher and to the receiver. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that as this has happened today, oh, we will not live in condemnation again in Jesus' name. Amen. The capacity to live above condemnation has come. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.